Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that's lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Now that is what we often refer to as the parable of the lost sheep. It's probably very familiar to some of you. If you grew up in the church like me, you heard it a million times. Um, Some of you though, maybe it was the first time you've ever heard it. And if that's the case, now you know why we always say things like in our worship songs like leave the 99. Uh, It's why there's all those depictions of Jesus, the the good shepherd, you know, carrying little baby lambs or having them over his shoulders. That's what what it's all coming from. Uh, It's a very sticky, memorable, simple parable. And there's a reason why it, you know, it's one that we're generally familiar with in the church. Now this, uh, by the way, is the parable that we're going to talk about today, but this is a BYOB, Bring Your Own Bible series. And so before we get into it, I just thought briefly, I would tell you, why do we even do series like this? Uh, You may not understand why, because isn't every sermon series about the Bible, but there's something specific about these. We at Grace believe that this book This book, this Bible, is the doorway to your best possible life. We literally believe this is the doorway to your best possible life in Jesus. So these types of series, these BYOB series, these are, we're just trying to help you learn how to open this door, how to to be able to understand what you're reading so that you can continue to have access to the life-giving words uh, that are in these pages. Okay, so that's why we do this. And again, this month we are helping you understand how to understand and read Jesus's parables. So let's dive in. First, what's a parable? Just a quick recap. Uh, a parable is a short story or illustration that conveys a deeper truth. Now, as we said, as we've been saying in this series, it's not, Jesus's parables are not the same thing as little like morality tales that you teach children, okay? It's not the same thing as Aesop's fables, or I've been told it's possibly Aesop's fables, how people pronounce it. Uh, It's not the same thing as Grimm's fairy tales, okay? These are not necessarily stories that all have a, a moral of the story, okay? They're actually something far more provocative, far more, uh, even shocking sometimes in the way that Jesus depicts this upside down kingdom of God. Jesus used parables to describe how God was saving the world, but more often than not, the way that the things that he's describing are not at all what people were expecting. This is not what people thought uh, God was going to do to save the world. Now, the, the name Ears to Hear for this series comes out of this, the, the fact that when people heard these parables, they had pretty much one of two reactions. Number one, if, if somebody was not open to the idea of, of God's kingdom being the way that it is, well, they're going to hear Jesus talking about, you know, trees and seeds and fish and sheep and all that stuff, and they're just going to think, what a weirdo, right? They're not going to listen to him at all. But if they had what Jesus calls ears to hear— If they were open to these ideas, well, suddenly these parables opened the door to an entirely new way to see the world. So they were provocative and powerful. And I think when it comes to this particular parable, uh, that when people first heard Jesus say this, you know, you may think, okay, they're, they're probably thinking like, oh, how sweet, what a, what a nice little image of, of, you know, sheep or whatever. 
No, I think when they first heard this parable, their actual response would have been like, oh, I can't believe he just went there. Okay, and I'm going to show you why, because it was actually a pretty provocative thing that he was saying when he told this parable. Now, um, we're going to get into it because um, I know at first glance, you're probably like, how could that be shocking? Isn't it just a nice and beautiful little depiction of the love of God? And yes, it is that. It is. But there's more layers to it. And the way that you understand these layers is to, to understand something that I talk about a lot, and it's context. Okay, context. When we talk in BYOB series, we talk first of all, we talk about the worlds of the text, the world behind the text, the world of the text, and the world in front of the text. Well, most of the time we talk about the world behind the text, the the culture of the time, what was going on when this, you know, part of the Bible was written. Um, But this week we are going to be talking a lot about the world of the text. The world of the text is, is how does this passage or this story connect to uh, the context where we find it in the Bible? How does it connect to other passages in the Bible? How does it connect to the Bible as a whole? Because when we understand that, suddenly this whole parable takes on a different meaning, okay? So let me show you why. Let me show you why it connects to other things and show you why maybe it was a little bit controversial. This particular parable, the parable of the lost sheep, shows up two different times in the Gospels. It shows up once in Luke and once in Matthew. Uh, In Luke 15, which we just read, that's how I opened the message, uh, it starts with Jesus telling this story because the religious leaders of his time, uh, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, all these religious leaders, they were not too happy about who he was spending his time with. Okay, Jesus was hanging out with sinners. He was hanging out with tax collectors, which nobody liked. I mean, people still don't really love tax collection as a, as a rule. But back then, tax collectors were basically in league with the Romans, the foreign occupiers of Israel. Nobody liked them, okay? He's hanging out with these guys. He's hanging out with what the NLT translated as, as uh, notorious sinners, okay? So he's spending his time with disreputable people. And the religious leaders are sitting over in the corner, I imagine, with their arms crossed, they're shaking their heads, they're thinking, what is this guy doing? Claims to be a rabbi, and then he's hanging out with all this rabble? Like, how could he do this, right? So th- that's the context when he first tells this story. They're all over there judging and being all angry, and Jesus says, Imagine a man had a hundred sheep, and one of them wanders away, right? And so on. So he tells the story in that context. Now, in Matthew, it's a totally different context. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells this story because his disciples come to him, and they say, uh, Jesus, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? Like, who's going to be the top dog? Who is the greatest? And Jesus says, um... Oh, hey, there's a little child. Hey, come over here, little one. Come here, come here. He takes a child. He puts the child in front of everybody else. And he says, if you're as humble as this little one, as this child, then you're the greatest in the kingdom. Oh, and by the way, if any of you stand in the way of one of these little ones entering my kingdom, it's not going to go well for you. It's not going to go well for you. If a shepherd had a hundred sheep and one of them wandered away and so on. So that's the context of that story. So it's a totally different context, a totally different reason for telling the story, and yet he tells the same story. Why? Why? Why would he do that? Well, uh, that's a good question, and we're going to talk about it. Now, the question why plus uh, why would people be shocked that he says this, they actually both have the same answer. They both point to the same answer, and it's this, something we've talked about already in this series. When Jesus told parables, he was he was stepping into a tradition of a biblical prophet. 
You know, the Old Testament prophets, they're these really weird books, uh, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Amos and Habakkuk, there's a bunch of them. And, and those Old Testament prophets, Jesus was acting and speaking like one of them. They spoke in parables too. In fact, many of the parables that Jesus gives are actually direct references to some of the parables that these prophets told, trees and, and you know, sheep and all that stuff. It connects to what he says when he's teaching his people, especially sheep. Okay, Jesus talks a lot about sheep. It comes up a bunch in his teachings. And what you may not realize is that every time he's doing it, it connects back to something that the prophet Ezekiel said. Ezekiel 34. So here's what we're going to do today. It's, it's a little weird because we're talking about the parables of Jesus, but we are actually going to look at Ezekiel 34 because I believe that when we read that, it's going to help, help blow our minds about what Jesus was actually saying when he taught about the lost sheep. And we're going to learn that, that this parable is not just a sweet depiction of God's love. It's also a scathing indictment of Israel's religious leaders, and it's a critique of those who would claim to follow God, but instead pursue power and wealth. So that's what we're going to see. So go ahead and turn there in your own Bible, uh, online, in this room. Just go ahead and grab a Bible. While you do that, I want to, by the way, if you can't find Ezekiel, there's a table of contents at the front of the Bible. Also, turn to Psalms in the middle of your Bible and just take a right. Keep going. Several books and you'll find it, okay? It's after Isaiah, Jeremiah. Just keep going, okay? All right. So before we get into this, I want to talk about something that has absolutely nothing to do with the rest of this message. A few months ago, uh, in the middle of uh, pandemic stuff, I thought, you know, what would be a cool way to connect with some younger people at Grace, some, you know, kids and students or whatever, is to do a Twitch live stream, Twitch streaming. If you don't know what that is, it's where somebody, like, plays a video game and other people watch them play a video game. I don't know. It's a thing, okay? I don't know why, why people do it. It's totally a thing. Um, so I, I did that. I played a game called Minecraft Dungeons. I think we have a video of, of what it looked like. Um, yeah, so I was playing, you know, a little video of me, and people could chat, and we were, we were hanging out and talking, and people were asking questions or talking about stuff. At some point, Liv, my, my wife Olivia, joined me, and she made it way more entertaining because she's way more funny than I am. So, But it was like a great hangout time, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to do it again. And so I am. This next Wednesday, I'm going to be playing a game called Untitled Goose Game. It's an actual game, and it is, it's kind of like a, a puzzle game where you are a very mischievous goose making life miserable for a, a whole village full of innocent people. So that is the game, and if you want to watch, it's going to be this Wednesday at 5 p.m., or if you have a kid or a student in your life that would in enjoy Twitch streaming, even though I know you're probably like, why is that a thing? It's a thing. Uh, I'll be doing that. Okay. This Wednesday at 5, and I'll post more details on my social media and stuff later. Okay, so let's get back to the Bible. How about that? A little bit of background of Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel was a prophet who spoke at a time when Israel was, was going through a really, really rough patch. Um, Jerusalem was just about to fall and be destroyed by the Babylonians. And for the, for the, you know, couple hundred years leading up to that moment, the Israelites had been scattered all across the known world, first by the Assyrians, then by the Babylonians. Uh, it was a mess. People were all scattered and the nation itself was beginning to crumble. That's when Ezekiel gave this prophecy in Ezekiel 34, verse 1. And by the way, gird your loins because this gets a little intense. Here we go. Uh, then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. 
What sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk, wear the wool, and butcher the best animals, but you let your flocks starve. You've not taken care of the weak. You've not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You've not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they are easy prey for any wild animal. They have wandered through all the mountains and all the hills, across the face of the earth, yet no one has gone to search for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, you abandoned my flock and left them to be attacked by every wild animal. And though you were my shepherds, you didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. You took care of yourselves and left the sheep to starve. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I now consider these shepherds my enemies, and I will hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. I will take away their right to feed the flock, and I will stop them from feeding themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. The sheep will no longer be their prey. Whoa. <laughs> okay, not pulling any punches here, Ezekiel. This is kind of intense. That's kind of how he is in all the whole book. It's pretty, pretty crazy stuff. So what's going on here? I mean, it, it's not too hard to draw some lines, but let me just kind of paint the picture for you. In Ezekiel's time, uh, God had given the responsibility of shepherding the people, of caring for the people of Israel to the leaders, okay? The leaders, the kings, the religious leaders, and they failed miserably, they failed. Uh, they were corrupt, living, living luxurious lives while the people struggled. Instead of defending the cause of orphans and widows, which, by the way, the Bible talks about a lot, that was pretty clear that that's what God wanted. Instead of doing that, they just let injustice run rampant in the land. And they didn't even seem to care when immorality was creeping in and, and the people were beginning to suffer for it. You can see why Ezekiel uses this metaphor, can't you? I mean, it's, he could have just been really literal and just spoken right, like, you guys failed. But instead, he uses this metaphor because it's evocative. The imagery is so evocative. You imagine, you know, th this, this flock of sheep, they're emaciated, they're scared, they're lost, they're stuck in canyons. And, and the shepherds, the ones who are sp supposed to be caring for all of them, are just sitting over there eating lamb chops and wearing, like, like fancy wool jackets that they just made. Right? That's such, it's like you, your, your injustice meter just pings when you think about that. You failed in your job. And then, of course, there's this like mic drop moment in, in verse 10 where God says he's going to step in to do their job for them. He says, I will rescue my flock from their mouths. The sheep will no longer be their prey. Whoa. Let's keep reading because he goes on with that idea in, in verse 11. It says, for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the peoples and the nations. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and in all the good places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured. 
and strengthen the weak, but I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, yes, I'll feed them justice. (laughs) Again, whoa. I mean, seriously, that sounds like something like Batman would say, right? Time to feed you justice. I don't know, but it's like, this is intense stuff, right? These prophets did not mince words. Okay, so in Ezekiel's time, like I said, God had given the responsibility of shepherding his flock to the leaders, and they had failed. So God himself is going to step in. God himself is going to rescue that scattered flock that Israel's leaders had failed so completely to protect. That's the context of Ezekiel 34. Now, fast forward, okay, a few hundred years to Jesus telling this parable of the lost sheep. It's a direct reference to what we just read in Ezekiel 34. Think about the context of the two times that he tells this story in the Gospels. In Luke 15, uh, the lost and the broken people, like the, the sinners that Jesus is spending so much time with, right? They were being excluded from the grace of God by the religious leaders. These religious leaders were keeping them at arm's length. They didn't want them near. They, they, you know, they were casting them out instead of welcoming them in to be healed, to find healing. Or in Matthew 18, the vulnerable and the least, like the child that he puts in front of everybody, they were not being honored. Instead, everyone was strutting around trying to be the greatest, right? While the little ones, the poor, the sick, the insignificant were being cast to the side. The sheep of Israel in both of those instances were being scattered yet again. Do you see the connection that Jesus is drawing here? By telling the story of the lost sheep, Jesus is implying that God has had to step in again. God has had to take matters into his own hands to rescue his people because the leaders of Israel had dropped the ball. They had misunderstood the nature of God's kingdom. And frankly, just like the the leaders in in the fall of Jerusalem, just like the leaders in Ezekiel's time, these leaders had bought the lie that wealth and power and comfort and success were things that were worth giving your life to, that those are the things that actually mattered. So God himself is working to bring his scattered flock home. And remember who Jesus is. He's God in the flesh. He's God with us. Which is why Jesus says multiple times in the Gospel of Matthew that I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. That's why he says that. It's why he calls himself in the Gospel of John the Good Shepherd. He's referencing this idea. Jesus, God himself, is stepping in to make things right again. To bring the lost sheep home. To inaugurate a kingdom in which, as I've said many times, the last are first, right? Where the poor are rich. Where the lost and forgotten and devalued are valued and protected and saved. Yet again, the parables of Jesus are not tidy morality tales. They are our provocative invitations. Invitations for us to consider and understand a kingdom the rule and the reign of God in a way that that does not jive with our human understanding. It's a kingdom that the world has never known. Here's what I'll do. I'm going to read the parable of the lost sheep again, now with all of that in our our minds, and I want you just to to listen and see if anything pops out at you that maybe you didn't before, okay? And this time I'm going to read Matthew's version just to change things up. Matthew 18. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? 
Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that's lost? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than over the 99 that didn't wander away. In the same way, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. You see, the good shepherd pursues the one lost sheep. The kingdom of God is for those that the world has cast aside. That's what this parable is all about. Now, obviously that's a lot to chew on, right? If you're like me for most of my life, you probably had no idea that that this parable had any connection to Ezekiel. So there's a lot to chew on there. There's a lot to think about. Um, And so here's what I want you to do, because there are some layers of meaning here, and I know that in just a brief little sermon, I'm not going to be able to, to plumb the depths at all. I want you to do a little bit of homework, okay? And I know nobody likes homework, nobody likes it, but this book is the doorway to life, right? So I want you to do some homework to find a little bit of life this week. Here's what I want you to do. It's a bring your own Bible series, so get your own Bible. If you don't have one, get one. Find a Bible, and here's what I want you to do. Read all of Ezekiel 34 this week. It's not long. We already read most of it, but read all of it. And then go and read Jesus' parable of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. Okay? Read that. And then go read what Jesus says about sheep in John 10. And then read what he says about Peter feeding his sheep in John 21. I I promise you, you're going to start to see threads connect that you didn't see before. Now, I know I I just threw a bunch of references at you, and so I put all of them in the app notes if you want to look at those, um, all the references, plus a few extra uh, references in Grace's app. So feel free to go look those up. Um, But but I want you to do this because when you get into the Bible on your own, when you start to to read and start to see these threads come together, I guarantee it's going to blow your mind, and you're going to start to see this world differently because of it. So do some homework. Nobody likes it, but it's time to do some homework, okay? Now, I don't just want to leave you with that, though, because I know, um, well, I know it's time for us to probably think a little bit about what this passage is saying to us as a, as a community. What is it saying to us right now in this time, in this space? And so I want to share with you two takeaways that I think are important for us. Uh, two takeaways from this passage in light of what we've learned from Ezekiel. So let's talk about them. First, the first big takeaway Just like the parable of the four soils that I talked about in the first week, uh, or the mustard seed and the yeast that Amy talked about last week, this parable is an invitation to wrestle, to wrestle with our own feelings about the nature of the kingdom of God, God's rule and reign in the world. How do we feel about it? What do we understand about it? Again, the big mistake of Israel's religious leaders, the reason that the sheep were lost in the first place was they thought that wealth and power and status, those are the things that are worth pouring your life out for. They imagined that the kingdom of God, when God finally had his say, that they, the the most powerful and holy people of all, that they were going to be the ones on top, that they would dominate everybody else because they were in power. They did not understand the truth That God's kingdom is not built on success. It's not built on power. It's built on humility. It's built on self-giving love. Remember the child that Jesus put in front of everybody, right? He he, he brings the child about who's greatest. And he says this. This is what he says right before he tells the parable. He says, anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. 
That is why the good shepherd pursues the one lost sheep, because the kingdom belongs to those that the world considers nothing. Lest lest we forget, our king, the ruler of this kingdom, was crucified. It's not about success. It's about humility. That's what the kingdom of God is built on. That's what we have to wrestle with. We have to think about that and wrestle with that. Do we actually see God's kingdom in that way? Do we, uh, do we really believe that God cares so deeply for those that the world has rejected? Do we believe that God would really leave the 99 in his passion to pursue the one that was lost? Or even more provocatively, will we be willing to join him in that search? Are we looking for the one that wandered away? Or are we just pouring our lives out for the kingdoms of this world? Money, fame, power, success, popularity, influence, stuff. Is that what we're pouring our lives out for? Or are we looking for the lost sheep too? Look, are we on the search for the lost sheep, the ones who the world has cast aside in the name of Jesus? Or are we just sitting around eating lamb chops with our nice wool jackets on? Where are our priorities? That's the question. That's the first big takeaway. It's a a question of whether we really believe that the kingdom Jesus preached about is one worth living for, is one worth giving our lives for. The good shepherd pursues the one lost sheep. Will we? Will we? Now, I know that's a little... It's like a bit like a poke in the ribs, right? That's a bit intense. And it's something that we all need to wrestle with. I I do too. So the second takeaway is not like that. It's not a poke in the ribs. In fact, it's completely different because the second takeaway from this passage is one that I think is a lot more, um, it's more between you and God. It's a tender takeaway. It's a, well, let me just talk about it. The truth is, that there are so many of you, I know, who struggle a lot with your self-worth, right? You struggle, I know you do because you've told me, because I've seen what you've posted on social media, I know that you struggle with your self-worth. You feel small and you feel unimportant, right? I know you struggle with that. Or, or you feel invisible in this world. You wrestle with your past. You, you've made mistakes. You've hurt people. You've sinned. You, you've got problems in your past. And you wrestle with that. I bet you think to yourself, if people really knew who I was, they wouldn't want anything to do with me, right? If they really knew what I did, they wouldn't want, it. They wouldn't want to be close. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe, maybe you are someone who is just being crushed by the brokenness of this world. Maybe right now you're struggling financially, or you're suffering from some kind of abuse, or, or, or maybe your body or your mind or your spirit are just unhealthy right now. You feel, because of all of this, like an insignificant speck in a world full of success, right? You pull up your social media and what do you see? Everybody's laughing and smiling and having a great time with a healthy family and a healthy body, and you think, I don't matter. If any of that is true of you, any of it, I want to remind you of this truth. The good shepherd pursues the one lost sheep, even you, even you. Remember, when Jesus told this story, he added a detail to this parable that Ezekiel didn't have. 
He talked about the 99 and the one. If you're a shepherd and you've got a 99% success rate with your flock, if you only lost 1%, well, that's just the cost of doing business, right? But not to God. Not to God, no. To God, that one lost sheep is worth everything. So I want you to understand that so are you. You are worth everything to God. This is why Jesus spent so much time hanging out with sinful people. It's why he spent time with broken people and touched the leper and spoke to women and hung out with kids and ate with sinners. This is why Jesus honored those that the world considered worthless. People with no status, because he loved them genuinely. And guys, he genuinely loves you too. Genuinely. Just listen to, the, listen to what Jesus says as he concludes these parables. Just listen again. Luke 15, he says, There is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents, fill in the blank, one lost person who has made terrible mistakes in their past, one person who's hurt everybody around them. There is more joy for one of them who repents than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or in Matthew, it is not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. You feel like a little one? Well, guess what? It is not his will that you would perish. God has taken it upon himself to bring you home. He's out looking for you. It's why he sent his son Jesus in the first place. That's why Jesus died on that cross, to bring you home. I myself, God says, I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace. I myself will do it. Do you want that? Do you want to lie down in peace? Do you want green pastures and clear water? Because the invitation is open. The invitation is open. The good shepherd is looking for you. Will you call out to him? Will you let him know where you are? I know you're in that, the valley. You're caught in the canyon. You're, you're lost. You're alone. You're afraid. You're, you're, you're isolated, right? Call out to him because he's looking for you. Make your voice heard. Jesus, I give my life to you. I'm lost. I'm scared. I'm alone. I can't keep doing this on my own. Call out to the shepherd. That's all it takes. The good shepherd is searching for you. Will you let him carry you home? 